What does it mean to be religious? Consider that with us today on Grow in Grace. Religion means to relink. It comes from a Latin word, to chain. And so religion is something that chains you into certain rules and regulations, and the Jews were famous for that. 613 laws you had to keep. Zion, now filled with hands, and in this place got to dwell with man. Sick be healed, and the crippled stand singing hallelujah. My kingdom built with the blood of my son, selfless sacrifice for everyone. Faith, hope, love, and harmony. You've probably heard quite a few reasons from people as to why they're rejecting the Lord. Or maybe you have a reason or two yourself. Well, today on Grow in Grace, we'll meet up with some religious leaders who had their own, but as we'll soon see, none of it would hold any water. Pastor Ed Ray is on the process of taking us verse by verse through John. And on this edition, we plan on covering John 8, starting at verse 37. Won't you join us there now? We're working our way through the New Testament verse by verse on Sundays. We are in 837 where we left off last time. Jesus is speaking and he's going to give an apologetic. There's a debate going on between him and the leaders of the Jewish faith on the Temple Mount. Jesus opens by saying, no, I know that you are Abraham's descendants, but you seek to kill me because my word has no place in you. I speak what I have seen with my father, and you do what you have seen your father. They answered and said to him, Abraham is our father. Jesus said to them, if you were Abraham's children, you would do the works of Abraham, but now you seek to kill me. A man who has told you the truth, which I heard from God. Abraham did not do this. You do the deeds of your father. And they said to him, we were not born of fornication. We have one father, God. Jesus said to them, if God were your father, you would love me. For I proceed forth and come from God. Nor have I come of myself, but he sent me. Why do you not understand my speech? Because you are not able to listen to my word. You are of your father, the devil. I bet that didn't go over real well. And the desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources, for he is a liar and the father of it. But because I tell the truth, you do not believe me. Which of you convicts me of sin? And if I tell the truth, why do you not believe me? He who is of God hears God's words. Therefore, you do not hear because you are not of God. Then the Jews answered and said to him, Do we not say rightly that you are a Samaritan and have a demon? Oh, great, they're calling them names now. Jesus answered, I do not have a demon, but I honor my father, and you dishonor me. I do not seek my own glory, but there is one who seeks and judges. Most assuredly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he shall never see death. 
Then the Jews said to him, Now we know that you have a demon. Abraham is dead and the prophets. And yet you say, If anyone keeps my word, he shall never taste death. Are you greater than our father Abraham? Yeah. Who is dead and the prophets are dead? Who do you make yourself out to be? Jesus answered, If I honor myself, my honor is nothing. It is my Father who honors me, and of whom you say he is your God, yet you have not known him, but I know him. And if I say I do not know him, I'd be a liar, just like you. But I do know him and keep his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day. And he saw it and was rejoicing. It says literally, glad. Then the Jews said to him, you're not yet 50 years old. And have you seen Abraham? Jesus said to them, most assuredly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. Then they took up stones to throw at him, but Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple, going through the midst of them, and so passed by. Pray. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you that you have revealed so clearly to us who you are. Speak to us now. Send your Holy Spirit to... He might teach us that we might grow and we might leave this place differently than the way we came in. We ask that in Jesus' name and all of God's children agreed by saying, Amen. Amen. I read about a young guy who was a huge baseball fan. He bought two World Series tickets really right behind home plate weeks ahead of time, but he forgot that that date was his wedding spent $2,000 each for the tickets, so he decided that he needed to get rid of the tickets. So he placed an ad on Facebook asking if anyone would like to go in his place. He said, it will be at 3 o'clock at First Baptist Church, and her name is Tiffany. Okay, that was for the guys. Now for your ladies, I read about a junior high little girl who went to her mom and asked her to explain how the human race began. Her mother explained how God created Adam and Eve. They had children and so on and so on, and here we are today. A few days later, she asked her dad the same question. He explained that many years ago, there were monkeys, and little by little, they became more like people. And now here we are. She was confused, so she went back to her mom. Mom, you said God created people. Dad said we came from monkeys. How can both be true? Her mom said, honey, that's simple. I told you about my side of the family. We're looking at a section of scripture that is a real insight into a couple of areas. Jesus raises the question of eternity, a very difficult subject to explain and because when you say time without end, we've all heard that answer, but it doesn't really help us because we don't think that way. We think in sequence of time. Well, today I d I'm going to do this, tomorrow I'll do the next thing. Eternity just goes on and on, but it also goes on and on back at where we came from and before where we came from and before Abraham and before the cosmos was created. That's a really big thought. So that's part of this. The debate that's going on is really Jesus giving a, apologetic is the word, he's giving a, the reason for why he had come to earth. And they are only thinking in the physical, and he keeps bringing up the spiritual. And so it's an it's a interplay between physical and spiritual, and it's like 
they often miss each other because they're not following what he's saying. He's actually in Jerusalem on the Temple Mount in the greatest university that Israel had. And young men would come from all over the then known world to study at one of 30 different universities on the Temple Mount in what's called Solomon's Portico. And so he goes in there and a bunch of people come, just normal folks, and then he begins to speak, teach, and then crowds come from the university. They leave the professors and they talk. So then the professors come and they're arguing with Jesus over what he's saying. It's a feast day at the time. They're part of the eight days of what's the Feast of Tabernacles. Now that feast is still celebrated today by Jews all around the world. And it's an interesting one because it, it commemorates the 40 years in the desert in the Exodus. And they had to sleep outdoors. And so uh, during these eight days, Jewish families will build little lean-to, little shelters in their yard, booths, they call them. And that's why the feast is also called Sukkoth, which in Hebrew means booth. And they'll take meals and they'd sleep in them. And they would sleep in them and the kids and dad and mom would be there and the kids would say, Dad, why are we sleeping outdoors when we could be in the house and be nice and cozy in our beds? And the dad uses that opportunity to say, well, we're here so we can recount remember what happened to our forefathers who spent 40 years, as we might say today, tent camping in the desert. And they had great protection from God. He sent a pillar of fire at night and a cloud by day to keep them in the shade. And he would supply food every day called manna. And then he would, out of rocks, bring water so that they would be able to survive. And so the celebration that goes on, as I said, even modern days, the emphasis light because of this pillar of fire and water. And we talked about that the last couple of times. And Jesus stood on the last day of the feast and said, if anyone thirsts, come unto me and you will receive living water. It'll come out of your innermost being. Out of you will come the Holy Spirit, is what he was saying. And then on the last day, when they didn't light the huge menorahs that were in the temple area, Jesus stands up and says, I am the light of the world. And so these Jewish leaders are contesting that. Now, when John, the writer of this gospel, uses the word Jews, he's talking about the spiritual leadership, the Sanhedrin, those 70 men who sat on the Supreme Court. And so it's not a racial slur or anything that's going on. He's talking to the leadership of the Jewish religion. And it's a very religious group that he's talking to, and I don't use that word in a positive way. Religion means to relink. It comes from a Latin word, to chain. And so religion is something that chains you into certain rules and regulations, and the Jews were famous for that. 613 laws you had to keep. Well, Jesus is the one who's saying, no, you need to believe in me and he's going to die for them, for you, and for me. And these guys are just missing it. But 
It's an interesting trip because those listening misunderstood when Jesus said, I'm going to set you free. They said, well, we're free. We're not slavery. But they had been under slavery, under the Pharaoh in Egypt. That's how they came out to the Exodus. They'd been under slavery from the Assyrians when they came from Babylon. And now, at the moment they're saying these things, first century, Rome had occupied their nation. But Jesus was talking about spiritual freedom. The freedom to choose and live the way that you want to, not under the pressure of sin. The descendants of Abraham were sure that they were not enslaved. Jesus said, you are slaves to sin. And the subject comes up about being children of Abraham versus being descendants of Abraham. And Jesus is making a distinction here. Children of Abraham act like Abraham, have the faith of Abraham. Descendants of Abraham, genetically tied to the seed of Abraham, as the book of Romans calls it, they're just genetic ties. They don't act like Abraham. Abraham was a man of faith. You're listening to Pastor Ed Ray on Grow in Grace. And we're in John chapter 8 today. As we get back into the message, Pastor Ed offers this helpful outline. Let's try and jump into it because it's a long section. Breaks up into two parts. This question about being descendants or children, 34 through 51. And then Jesus talking about himself greater than Abraham. And he uses this present tense, I am, to describe himself, always have been, is now, and always will be. And that is a mind teaser. That's where we're going. Verse 37, Jesus began, I know that you are Abraham's descendants, you're the seed of Abraham, but you seek to kill me because my word has no place in you. Genetically, you're tied but you're not children of Abraham. You don't have any room for new ideas or understandings. I speak what I have seen with my Father, capital F, Father God in heaven. You do what you have seen with your father, small father. Jesus is about ready to tell them that their father is not God, but in fact the devil. They answered and said, Abraham is our father. Jesus said, if you were Abraham's children, you would do the works of Abraham. You would act like Abraham. Okay, a little quick background, Abraham. 2000 BC, Abraham meets God. God introduces himself to Abraham. And Abraham, three times in the New Testament, it says Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him as righteousness, being right with God. Three times the New Testament speaks of what the Old Testament in Genesis said. Abraham had a relationship with God that was very personal and intimate, and God said he would live forever and his descendants would fill the earth and number the stars of heaven because he believed what God told him. So that theme comes up over and over again in the Gospel of John. John will talk about believing in Jesus 98 times. 
98 times tells you the Holy Spirit thinks it's important for us to learn this. You don't become a believer. You don't receive salvation because of what family you were born in. You say, well, of course, Pastor, we don't believe that. Listen, I've asked people over and over again, are you a Christian? They say, well, I'm an American. <laughs> like it's the same subject. Or, well, I was born in a, and then a denomination, fill in, it doesn't matter which denomination. So I was born, I was christened, I was baptized, I went through all these rituals of the church, so of course I'm a Christian. No. It requires you to believe, listen, that Jesus Christ died for your personal sins and that you surrender to that. That's about as simple as I know how to say it. But that's what this debate is about. Are you spiritual because of how you were born? Are you spiritual in a real way because of you believing God is talking and working in your life? So, if you were Abraham's children, verse 39, you would do the works what Abraham did. You would have faith in your life. People would know you were a person of faith. You would be obedient to what God is saying. You would do the works. Demonstrate through actions your obedience to God. Verse 40, but now you seek to kill me, Jesus said. A man who has told you only the truth, which I heard from God. Abraham would not do this. He didn't do that. He's saying, he's about ready to say, I know Abraham. We're friends. We, we met. We talked face to face. Now, 2000 BC, King David and Solomon were about halfway in between, about 1000 BC. And at the first century, Jesus is talking. 2000 years after Abraham He's about ready to say, Abraham, I've been hanging out for a long time. You do the deeds of your father, verse 41. And then they said, we were not born of fornication. What in the world is that? They're insulting Jesus' mother. They're saying your mom claimed to be virgin birth. Obviously, she'd had relations with somebody else. And wrong answer. Isaiah said that a virgin would bring forth a child that would be the Messiah. But they didn't believe their own Bible. And they're happening to try and insult. Now they didn't know it. They did not grasp, but they were talking to the creator of the cosmos when they said, well, we're not like you. We were born not out of fornication. Wow. I hope they all got saved because you wouldn't want to live for eternity thinking about that stupid question you asked Jesus. So. I want you to see that Jesus doesn't lose his temper. Jesus doesn't get down dirty and grapple and fight with them. Why? Because he wants them to have a relationship with him. His whole motive for this debate is not to win the argument, but to win them to God. Now that should give us all encouragement because that's God's motor for you and for me. 
He wants us to have a personal, intimate relationship with him, not argue. Jesus said to them, if God were your father, verse 42, you would love me for I proceeded, I came from Father God. Not have I come of myself, but he sent me. I'm here because God sent me. Now, they're having a little problem with that, okay? These guys are protecting their own turf. They're the religious leaders. I mean, they got money coming in. They have investments in this whole thing. And there wasn't television. I'm sorry, verse 43. Why do you not understand my speech? Because you're not able to listen to my word. Why is my language not clear to you? We're speaking the same language and you're not getting it. What's wrong? Now the heart of God is that Jesus is trying to reach them. He's going to turn up the heat though. He's going to make some statements about them to get their attention because they think they're so smug because they're Abraham's children that they don't have to deal with what's really going on in their hearts. It's always a heart issue for God. So he throws a hand grenade into the discussion. You are of your father, the devil. <laughs> uh, they probably didn't take that real well. And the desires of your father, you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning, does not stand in the truth because there's no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources. For he is a liar and the father of lies. So he's saying they're currently children of Satan. I say currently because I want you to see he's trying to move them from that to become children of God. And so he, he says, here's who Satan is. He tried to murder from the very beginning, Cain and Abel, you remember. And then if you go up to Moses, Moses was put in a basket in the Nile River because the Pharaoh was killing all the male children. And then you go, all the way up to Bethlehem and Herod is trying to kill the babes that were born in Bethlehem. And then you go up to 1492 for most Americans we think well that's when Columbus sailed the ocean blue. But for Jews it was the time when the Spanish Inquisition started. And Jews had seven days to get out of Spain or they would die. And many of them did. And then you rush up to Hitler and the Nazis and you go 8 million there's a pattern here of Satan trying to destroy to keep the Messiah from coming and then after the Messiah came the first time to try and keep him from coming a second a murderer from the beginning and he wants to make it a habit pattern in your life that you own Thanks for listening to Grow in Grace as we continue our journey through the New Testament. Today's message from Pastor Ed Ray is a part of our study in John's Gospel, and you can hear it again at thepackinghouse.org. You'll find all of our recently aired programs right there at thepackinghouse.org, as well as an archive of Pastor Ed's messages. We're also on YouTube, and that's a great way to live stream our services or watch recently delivered messages. Search for Packing House Christian Fellowship, and if you prefer to have a CD copy of today's message, just call toll-free 844-77-GRACE. Again, we're here to serve you at 844-77-GRACE. As we continue to get the word out on stations like this all across the nation, we're looking to our listeners for help.
Even a small donation can have a large impact by God's grace. And whatever comes in goes straight to the ministry. When you support Grow in Grace with a gift of any amount today, be sure to request our featured resource. It's a book called Why Revival Tarries by Leonard Ravenhill. This is a no-compromise call to biblical revival and spiritual excellence that we all need to hear. You'll see the great disparity between today's church and the Church of Acts. Again, we're making it available for a gift of any amount. Just give us a call at 844-77-GRACE. That's 844-77-GRACE. Would you like to put a smile on our face? Just shoot us an email and let us know you're listening. It's so helpful to hear if a particular series is benefiting your walk with the Lord. It's encouraging, too. Our email address is packinghouseradio at aol.com. That's packinghouseradio at aol.com. We have another study to look forward to in the Gospel of John next time on Grow in Grace with Pastor Ed Ray. We'll see you then. This program is listener-supported and brought to you by the Packinghouse Christian Fellowship in Redlands, California. Zion, Place gotta dwell with man, sick be healed, and the crippled stand singing hallelujah. My kingdom built with the blood of my son, selfless sacrifice for everyone. Faith, hope, love, and harmony. I said, Let this world know me.